Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning to you. It is Thursday and it is freezing out there, man. What the heck? <laughs> Eight... I went out yesterday, and my thermostat here in the studio had been lying to me. When I start, I went to start my car, and it went rear, rear. And I was like, what? I looked down, and it was 27 below at my house. I did. I was like, that's the no. No, no, no. I moved away from Fairbanks for a reason. This was it. All right there. So, yeah, we're at a bit of a cold snap, and it's expected to lay across most of South Central and even up into the interior uh, till Sunday, apparently. It's supposed to start warming up Saturday Saturday night, Sunday. So it's, it is what it is. Um, get used, get used to it, sweetheart. That's how it, that's how it works around here. Anyway, today's Thursday and we're going to be diving into it, uh, in hour two with, uh, State Senator Mike Schauer, who is going to be calling in and we'll be hanging out and talking about, uh, We'll be talking about, uh, well, everything that's going on in the Senate and what's happening there. Uh, he actually just was uh, flying. He was flying back yesterday. So he actually missed the vote on the Senate, uh, the, the defined benefits public pension plan. Uh, he was excused uh, from the uh, from the vote yesterday. Uh, and so but he'll have I'm sure he'll have some insight on everything that's going on and what's happening and et cetera, et cetera. So he'll be joining us an hour two today. Uh, in hour one, we got well, we've got we got the pension plan to talk about, which we are definitely going to be. I got I've got to say we're going to be talking about that. Um, we'll also talk a little bit about this new lawsuit that uh, I got the email early yesterday. And they're like, uh, embargoed. You can't talk about this till 1 p.m. And I'm like, wow, too bad I didn't have like a, too bad I didn't have like a midday show. I could have talked about it before. I would have talked about it just because the ACLU has now filed a lawsuit against uh, the Matsu School District over the use of bathrooms uh, by transgendered uh, folks. So that's a, <clears throat> I mean, come on. Okay. We we just you can't you can't win you can't get ahead of this stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to uh, we're 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 going we're to talk about that as well, and uh, well anything else that comes up. Oh, I did I did want to talk a little bit. Well, we'll see if we have time. I did want to talk a little bit about that free market and the EV the electric vehicle thing that we were talking about yesterday, um, and because we ran out of time, so. Uh, there you go. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, 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 that's everything. That's the whole deal. 
Uh, excuse me, I'm going to crack a cold one here because uh, I didn't make any coffee this morning because <clears throat> there's a massive power outage last night. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but it was huge. Um, apparently, it was all the way from Palmer through most of Connect Goose Bay Road and actually into Anchorage. It actually, parts of Anchorage dropped off the grid. It was massive. Now, how do I know? Well, because I have sleep apnea. And the minute that the power goes out, I feel like I'm drowning because it's no longer forcing air down my airway. And uh, so you wake up kind of abruptly. <clears throat> and that was what happened to me this morning at 12.15 this morning. And uh, so that was, uh, I, I, if I sound like I'm a little scattered, it's because I had to lay there for 30, you know, 30 minutes or whatever, trying to figure out if I could try and go back to sleep without the machine or if the power was going to come on or if we were all going to freeze. I mean, what was, you know, it's a little scary. It's 20 something below at my house and the power just went out and it wasn't, you looked outside, you couldn't see the power across the arm at J bear. You couldn't see, I mean, it was dark and, uh, so you know, you're, you're, the pucker factor's a little high. You're like, okay, well, what do I do? Do I do I do I do I go get the gen? Do I do you know what do I what do I? I just you know, I'll wait here. I'll just wait here for a few minutes. We'll see what happens. And it was about thirty minutes later that everything came back up and and uh, great. Went back to you know eventually went back to sleep to wake up three two and a half three hours later. But <clears throat> that's so this morning I'm I'm trying to get some liquid caffeine in me to uh to get things rolling on so that's that's where we're going today just i'm just sharing with you because i'm oversharing, but that's the nature of what's going on all right are you ready let's get uh let's get into this uh here discussion so according to amy bouchette over at the uh, adn and the press release, which I received, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the press release, which I received from the <clears throat> ACLU yesterday morning, um, it is, uh, it's time. They, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to sue. The uh, ACLU has now um, filed a lawsuit with the Matsu Borough School District over its preventing transgendered students from using bathrooms and locker rooms that match their gender identity policy. They approved this board, the board approved this policy back in October of 2022. The ACLU is representing a set of parents bringing the case on behalf of their transgendered son, who is a girl that wants to be a boy. Or it believes that they are a boy. You know what I mean. Under this policy, every day their child faces mental and physical challenges because he's denied access to the boy's bathroom, even though he is a boy. By a little... I have so much problem. I have so many challenges with this. So many challenges. Even though he is a boy. Says who? Him? Does he have a doctor's note? Does he, I mean, it's, does, you know, and again, 
You know what really bothers me? What really bothers me, and I don't know if this is the case with this family or this these parents. I don't know if this is the case um, or not. But when they use their child as a pawn for their political games, that may not be the case in this, but I have seen it in other stories. And it just drives me insane. They say that the policy infringes on the student's constitutional right to privacy because it fundamentally, excuse me, because it violates his fundamental right to make his own choices about his body, his name, his gender identity, and the appropriate bathroom for him to use. This policy also violates the Equal Protection Clause of the Alaska Constitution because it treats transgendered students differently than other students. Yeah, but here's my question. What about the other students' rights? You know, in this case, it's a girl who is identifies as a boy now going into the boys' bathroom or locker room, which, you know, I mean, if it's the other way around, then it's a boy identifying as a girl going into the girls' locker room. I mean, what about the other people's right? You know? What about the right to privacy of others? See, that's what kills me on this, because they basically um, they basically say, well, you know, the right to privacy is what this is all about. This this trumps all. I mean, his fundamental right to be appropriate and use the bathroom of his choice and yada, yada, yada. And so, yes, so this boy, this biological male can go into a female bathroom because he identifies as female or this biological female can go into the male locker room because she identifies as a male. What about the privacy, the feelings uh, of those other people? See, that's what comes up. Now, what did the Matsu Burrow offer? They offered... They offered like unisex, right? Like private and unisex bathrooms. Uh, didn't they offer them that they could use a? Sp- I mean, there are options where they can choose a bathroom that they're not forced to go. I'm, I'm just so torn on this whole thing. Not, I mean, not torn in a bet like I'm confused. I'm just so torn up by this whole argument whatsoever because it basically is, like I said, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you believe. I don't care who you think you are or who you should marry or whatever. My job is not to judge you, right? That's I'm just saying that. But when you force what I believe, I'm not judging, but I'm just saying that, you know, you ask me. If you ask me, I'd say, well, I don't think that's right, okay? But I'm not judging you. I'm just it's not something that I would do, right? You do you. It's not something that I would do because I don't believe it's right. Okay, no big deal. But no judgments. You're, you're, I love you. You're golden. Go ahead and do it. But what kills me is when you're like, no, no, it's not for me. Thanks. You know, I, you do you. But I, and they go, no, you will believe the same thing that I believe. You will respect me for what. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa. Now you are demanding that I align with your beliefs, even though it may be antithetical to my own. I'm giving you the space to do whatever you want. And now you're like, no, no, no. You will not only do that, you will then abide by what I believe. Whether it's gender pronouns or them, they, Zer, Queen of Sheba, whatever it is. 
uh, or you acknowledge that I go to the uh, the opposite bathrooms or I'm just like, okay, wait a second. We just went way out of left field on this. Uh, and this is again what this is from the uh, the ACLU press release. They say the policy infringes on the student's constitutional right to privacy because it fundamentally violates his right to make his own choices about his body, his name, his gender identity, and the appropriate bathroom for him to use. Again, I will ask, what about the rights of the other students who may feel uncomfortable or violated or, you know, not who don't want boys and girls bathrooms or girls and boys bathrooms? Biological. I'm not talking about what they identify as. I'm talking about their original hormonal makeup is. And that's the thing. That's all aside. Well, it doesn't matter. What we believe is is supreme. Whatever that one kid believes is supreme. And if you if you feel uncomfortable about it, well, it's because you're a bigot. I, I'm no. I mean, I'm not. But okay. If you don't like it, it's because you don't support people. And if you don't do it, these kids will commit suicide. How many times have we heard that? If we have this, then more kids will kill themselves. And I'm just like, that is just it's such the fallacious straw man argument that if you don't do what we say, we know that this is going to... Will the incident increase? Potentially. But, I mean, you're, 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 you're drawing this argument that is just... It is insane. And this is just, I mean, this is just nutty. This is just nutty. Uh, This is after the other lawsuit, by the way, that... um... (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I I should comment on this real quick. I'm out of time, but he says, according to the Ruth Botstein, the legal director for the ACLU of Alaska... The MSBSD has forgotten its obligation to protect young people, although I would disagree with that, as well as the constitutional rights of all students, regardless of their gender identity, are entitled to. The student just wants to be able to go to school like any other kid, to focus on learning and socializing with his peers, and not to have constant stress and anxiety about when and where he's going to be able to use the bathroom. I mean, it just sounds like a setup, doesn't it? Doesn't it just sound like this is all just just plan? This is all just plan. This is not the only thing that's going on. Don't forget the ACLU and the Northern Justice Project to file that lawsuit against the uh, district for the unconstitutional removal of fifty-six book titles, which again, some of them I, some of the titles I do disagree with. I mean, Slaughterhouse Five. I mean, come on, that just. Yeah. The parents and student would like to remain anonymous in the lawsuit. Okay. So they want to fight. They want to put it all out there, but they're not going to tell you who they are. I thought they would be out loud and proud, right? Isn't that the normal deal when it's all said and done? Isn't that what you normally? All right. Okay. Um, we got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am wrong. I don't think I am, though. I don't think I am. Uh, We got more. We're going to be back right after this. 
we will return. Stay warm in the meanwhile. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Somebody says, open up the phone lines. Okay, all right, I'll open up the phone lines. I mean, if they work today. Thanks for calling the call-in line of the Michael Duke Show. We'll see if, we'll see if they actually work. I don't, I don't know if they'll actually we'll check it out. Shall we check it out? I did the same thing yesterday. Let me see. There it is. Let me call. Let me make sure if the phone actually rings this time. Um, you, can, you can test it for yourself. You could take. It's taking its sweet time, isn't it? Nope, that number's not working. I don't know what's going on. GCI, I hate you so much right now. All right, uh, alternate number, Burnk, right there. That's the alternate number. So if you want to, uh, if you want to jump in and you just call the number that's right here. You see it right there at the bottom. Three one nine five two seven three eight six four. That's the that's the secret number. I'm gonna have to run the heater during the show the whole day today, because normally the heater is set to a very low level. When it gets cold, I turn it on and leave it on, and it cycles on and off. You know, at like 58 degrees or something. Well, when the power went out last night, it didn't. The heater didn't come back on. Afterwards, so I got in here in the studio this morning, and it was like 41 degrees in the studio. It's cold in here, um, and I'm wearing short sleeves. Uh, anyway, okay, let me go back uh, up over here. Uh, we got a couple lines on hold. Um, we'll get to them here in just a hot second. Oh, I got to actually do put that. There we go. There we go. All right, phone lines are open. If you guys are all ready, you want to do it. I see somebody from Fairbanks is calling in. Um, the right to privacy clause gives the legislature the express right to implement in Alaska. Um, I mean, I would think that that right to privacy clause would go both ways on this, right? Right to privacy of the transgendered student. Okay, great. Also right to privacy of the other students. That would be my question. Um it's such an easy solution, says Jeannie. Just non-gender marked bathrooms. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would just think that you know. Um, Cindy's just said exactly what I was saying. What about the rights of the students using the bathroom based on their birth gender? So we change the rules for just one. What on earth are we teaching the future? What they're teaching the future is self-centeredness. Everyone's got to change for me, and if you don't like it, I'll sue. That's what it has to do. Um. Uh, and where was the ACLU when the COVID idiocy authoritarianism was running amok? Yeah, pretty much. Let's, Kevin says, BSA. Let's spend the BSA on this. Uh, 
to in the defense to the Matsu issue, the defense to the Matsu issue, says Scott, is it's a crime to expose oneself to a minor. It's not an affirmative defense because someone is trans. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't even know. Oh, my gosh. MD Is MD glitching for everyone else, asks Mike. I don't know if I'm glitching for anyone else. Um, yeah, I know, Scott, that, you know, Shower voted no on the vote simply by not being there. I know voters, and I understand. What I'm just saying is he was not there, so it, it, I wasn't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, my friend. Um, yeah, where is Anthony? That's a good question. Speaking of boilers, has anybody seen Anthony lately? Um, I haven't seen Anthony. I, I, I just realized that. I might have to make a call, see what's going on, make sure he's okay. Um, all right. Am I all caught up? It doesn't feel like no 24 below outside to me. Oh, it's so bad. Okay. Um, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. We'll take some phone calls. We'll see what we go, and we will uh, we'll get it all done. Uh, right now. Uh, stay warm. Okay, welcome back to the program. Uh, we got more to talk about here, including this passage of the Senate uh, defined benefits bill. But uh, I got a line on hold. Somebody in the chat room just demanded that I turn on the phones. They want to talk about this. So uh, we'll go over to the phone lines uh, right now to, to, to do it. Let's, let's get over there and see what has to be said. Uh, good morning. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Michael. That'd be me, Tim, the guy from Fairbanks. Well, hello, Tim from Fairbanks. How are you, my friend? Not too bad. Hey, I haven't been able to listen to you lately. I fell off the retirement bandwagon into a job. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I, I, man, I just I feel I feel for you. I feel so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So. Uh, a bunch of things are going on, and you are all wound up on this one. So up there in Fairbanks, and I still can't believe you moved down south to the warmer <laughs> weather. But uh, so we've got uh, this governor that wants to rename our airport, and that airport has been in my life for the last 40 years. And uh, pretty much I think Fairbanks says, no, don't rename our airport. Secondly... Let me see. Uh, oh, I lost it. Help me. I uh, help you. Uh, we were talking about transgendered bathrooms. That's the last thing that I remember before no. we got into the what was going on up there. Oh, that, that's your deal. Oh, the other thing is uh, I know you've got some uh, borough assembly people that come into your show. 
Uh, very rarely. We, Tam- Tammy Wilson's been on, and we've had uh, Barbara Haney on in the past, but uh, I don't think we haven't yeah. had any of the current Bar- ones. Bar- yeah. Bar- the last time I called and I was ranting, Barbara called. So here's the ne- next thing. They want to uh, raise our borough taxes to cover school funds. So here's the I, – I, I can't remember now – I think the borough assembly passed a deal where they would allow uh, tax exemptions for people who are building uh, multifamily homes in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. And this goes back to covering for the military who can't seem to provide the housing for their increased. And I've spent 30 years here in the military. Uh, anyway, um so they want to now raise the property taxes for everybody else to cover schools but they gave i think that they gave this this break to the people who can afford to build multifamily built uh structures it's, it's i'm uh, I'm just well. I mean, there is, to my knowledge, uh, the I, only... I think I sound like Michael Dukes. <laughs> well, to my knowledge, the only exemption that they offer is, I mean, nonprofits get an exemption, which we talked about a bit yesterday with Rob Myers. But the only other exemption is the residential uh, exemption that you get for your being that, and then the the old age re- uh, exemption that has happened in the past. Uh, I do not believe that there is an exemption for a multifamily unit that I was aware of, I've ever been aware of. Maybe maybe it is, but to my knowledge, it's not there. Um, but, you know, that – look, this is not – don't don't get trapped into the thinking of pitting one property owner against another. Oh, you're getting an exemption and I'm not, so therefore you're the bad guy. The bad guy is the government who is looking to – who, again, is treating this like this is not a spending problem but that it's some kind of revenue problem when both you and I know, Tim, that it's a spending problem that's causing this whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's all for the children in the schools. Right, right. I mean, that's exactly it. It's all for the – it's just what we're hearing now, right, for the new – for the new thing in the Fairbanks North Star Borough with this tax cap thing, it's going to be for the children. I mean, we can't guarantee that yep. because we can't define, we can't designate no. the funds. But it's it's for trust us, it's for the children. <laughs> okay, Michael, I can't. Yep. All right, Tim. Well, thank you so much for coming on board and joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for being part of it. All right, Tim was our guest. Uh, if you want to call in this morning, um, I <clears throat> and I don't know, GCI, there's something wrong with it. Maybe GCI doesn't like me. Maybe they don't like me banging on their corporate cronyism. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why they keep killing my phone number. Anyway, uh, the normal number doesn't work. So if you want to call in here in the next, because we'll take some calls here till the top of the hour, here is the number. Are you ready? Are you ready to copy? Uh, it's 319 319- Five two seven three eight six four three one nine five two seven three eight six four. If you want to call in, you're you're welcome to. But the normal Alaska number, because it's a forwarder, right, is busted. So I don't know what's going on. I really have no idea. 
everything else works fine. Fine, fine, just fine. But that is not working. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, let's, uh, let's continue on. What else do we got here? Uh, is GCI refunding you for their inability to provide reliable service? What do you think? I'm just, I'm asking for a friend. What do you think? It's all part and parcel of the service, ma'am. All part and parcel. So the Senate passed the pension plan for yesterday uh, the, for the, the new defined benefits plan. The only good news on this whole thing is that it's got to go through the House, and so far the House is not looking like they are very receptive to this. Then it has to go to the governor, and I, I just don't know how the governor, I just don't know how he feels about this. Don't know. Uh, he hasn't really said, he hasn't really, you know, I think he's, I'm getting the feeling from some of the past articles that I read and some of the discussion that he's probably not fully in favor of it. Um, so he may have a chance to veto it, and they definitely don't have the votes to override a veto on it. But some of my favorite comments on this includes Jesse Bjorkman, who's... <laughs> who says this thing's going to be cost neutral. I mean, we don't have the we don't have the uh, uh we don't have the 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 actuarial numbers, the new numbers which are due out in a month, but th it's most likely to be cost neutral. Even though the previous actuarial report actually said it was going to cost us 1.2 billion dollars a year, but no, it's probably going to be cost neutral now. Oh, how how much has changed in just a short period of time? And of course, we've got to vote for it now, even though we don't have the numbers. And quite and to his credit, Bert Stedman said no, absolutely no. Uh, Bert Stedman said uh, he couldn't vote for anything that didn't have a full fiscal note attached to it, and uh, that this was troubling, and that this was going to cost the state a lot of money. Um. I mean, I want to. I really want to dive down into this a little bit more, but I do have a phone call, and I don't want to leave them on hold too long. So let's go over to the phones. Why not? We'll get her. We'll get her done. Let's go over there right now. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, where are you calling from? Uh, good morning. This is Mike in Fairbanks. Hello, Mike. What's uh, what's so, going on? Uh, so, so you brought up the borough and uh, housing and mill or uh, tax property taxes. So. I believe the borough assembly did pass something to give a tax break to people building multifamily houses. Existing structures don't get a break, but if you want to build a multifamily housing because we're short on housing, then you will get a tax break for a certain period of time. I don't, I don't know the details. Well, I suppose I suppose that's so, uh, I suppose that's possible because they were trying to gen up. Uh, well, actually, even before I left Fairbanks, they were trying to gen up new housing for because they you know they wanted the F35s to come and everything, blah blah blah. So I suppose it's very possible, and that would make more sense that it's a new construction tax for you know you get a tax free or a tax break for X number of years after you build it. That makes sense. I could see that, um, although. Um, why pick winners and losers at that point? I just that doesn't make any sense to me. But I, I see your point. Well, that that's exactly that's exactly the point, Mike. And then just as Tammy Wilson said, uh, was it two days ago? 
they're 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 going to have an election probably to bypass the tax cap for this year and increase taxes on homeowners <clears throat> and rental unit owners and drive up the cost of rent for the same people that they want to stay here or come here. Yeah, I mean so it's you know there's not there's not a lot of common sense in the borough assembly. No, it's a conundrum, then man. I want to. Yeah, I, I want to speak on your uh, school thing where they're su- ACLU sure. school, suing the school district. Mm-hmm. So when a child goes to school, that child has a birth certificate, a legal birth certificate, a state-created birth certificate, and that certificate says what gender that child is. That's how the school district needs to treat that child. They don't have a choice. They shouldn't have a choice. I don't think they do have a choice. The the people who have normal kids that that are forced to use locker rooms and bathrooms with the abnormal kids should be suing the state for something like that. And that that's where ACLU should come in is protecting the right of legal people. I, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree. Uh, no, I I uh, I agree. I think that it is crazy, um, and you're right. They have a legal definition of what they are based on the state, you know, the birth certificate and everything else. And again, I don't care what you do in your own home. I don't care, you know, any of this other stuff. Just don't. And, and this argument that it's all about the privacy of the one student. We're sacrificing all the rest of the students on the idol of the one student who's decided to make a stand or to, you know, to you know, throw a fit about it, essentially. So uh, again, I, I do not yeah. have I do not have a, a, a good feeling about the privacy rights of the one individual when you want to violate everybody else's privacy rights so they get their way. Yeah. Okay. You have a good day, Mike. All right. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate your uh, appreciate you calling in uh, right now. We're up against the break. We got more coming up. We're going to talk a little bit more about the um, about the. Define benefits uh, bill and issues here when we return. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, uh, free thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. Mike Showers coming up after the top of the hour, just FYI. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Um... Let me go back up here to see what's going on. Um, Lathrop allows people to choose their bathroom. My sibling was shy. The first time he encountered girls in the boys' bathroom, he stopped using the bathroom at school. He would go all day without or leave school to use the library. So we're harming normal kids to make outliers comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I yes. Yes. Yes, we are. 
Uh, Kevin says that the defined benefits plan has a deep fake fiscal note. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, minus 31 where Jack's at in Kenai this morning. Ooh, a pucker factor is high. Yeah. Oof, man. Um, at some point, Jesse needs to back up the rhetoric with facts. Yeah, I know. Um, let's see. Uh, just went out and fed the critter. It is not fun outside. <laughs> I let the dog out this morning and I was like, nope, that's a no fun situation right there. Um, maybe instead, perhaps instead of announcing he can't stand to be in the same room as shower, he should sit his booty down with shower and Naresh and learn something. D7 meeting last winter, he said this on Zoom about shower. Well, you know what? That's what happens when you are faced with hard truths. You become very uncomfortable. When you're faced with somebody who is not wishy-washy, when you're faced with somebody who believes in, you know, it makes it makes people who will compromise. When you find somebody who doesn't compromise their principles, people who will become very uncomfortable around them. Ask me how I know. Rhett McCabe is not kidding, says Donna Ardwin. Games are being played on the defined benefits fiscal note. Uh, Donna, you'll have to give me a Cliff Notes versions of that. Um, you have to give me Cliff Notes versions of that. What are we going to... What are we... Do I think what are we doing to our regular well-adjusted kits? Not going. I think that was a mistype. What are we doing to our regular well-adjusted kids, says Melody. We're damaging them is what we're doing. We're showing them that these other kids are more, you know, more important. It's, yeah, we all got to kumbaya and coddle the one person who's having a crisis of identity or faith or whatever. I'm not saying we don't be conscientious and we don't be compassionate, but we don't break everything that we're doing and drop everything to make the one person. Yeah. The fiscal note was so questionable that Stedman would not sign it. You know, and that's something that the news the newspaper didn't even mention. Right? He the the must read article, where is the must read article? Here it is. Uh, she mentions that Stedman said that he, how did, how did she put it? Um, he said it was an incomplete fiscal note, so he was going to be a no vote. Didn't say that it was so banged up that he wouldn't even sign off on it. And the ADN story doesn't even mention that the fiscal note is incomplete. It doesn't even, doesn't even say any, I mean, this is just. Where have all the good ones gone? And by that, I mean the investigative journalists that are, or not even investigative. How about just inquisitive journalists? I mean, right? How about just inquisitive journalists? I'm asking for a friend. All right. Where are we at? 90 seconds out. Um, it's now starting to get toasty in here. 
I mean, I may have to shut the heater off at some point because it's literally stuck underneath my desk, under my legs, and it's rolling up here now. And I'm like, oh, finally, my hands were so cold. But I'm thinking, well, I can't take another hour of this. I might be cooked right out of my own studio. So I might have to shut it off here in a bit. Um, um, SB88 um, is cost neutral only under the most rosy of assumptions. Return, yeah. I mean, they're 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 estimating their rate of return at over seven percent, right? Seven point something, seven point two five, or something like that. I mean, that's insane. No, but there is no nowhere are they getting that rate of return. Nowhere have they gotten that rate of return. And it's just, he said that in his floor speech, says uh, McKevin, that, that he wouldn't sign off on it. Yeah, I didn't hear the floor speech. I didn't watch it. I was busy. I was working. That's <laughs> so what happens. You know, I think a legislature should, I think you should just, legislature should always just convene at night so people can go watch it for themselves after work. It'll be, that'll be interesting. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Okay. So, uh, one final... One final segment here, and I'm getting some input here. I'm getting some input here from the the chat room. Uh, we got Rob Senator Rob Myers is qu- uh, quoting in here. Kevin McCabe is in here. Uh, Representative McCabe uh, and Donna Arduin, uh, who's uh, working uh, in, in the legislature, is uh, is here as well. And some of the comments about what is, you know, like Rep McCabe basically just said that they're, you know, basically there's games being played. He said the fiscal note on this defined benefits plan is a deep fake fiscal note, deep fake. And I'm like, wow, deep fake. And uh, Donna Arduin, who I respect a lot when it comes to these kind of things, numbers, fiscal notes, things like that. She said, Rep McCabe is not kidding. The games are being played on the defined benefits fiscal note. Uh, and then Kevin McCabe went on to tell me that it was so questionable, the fiscal note itself, that Bert Stedman would not sign it. Now, here's what's interesting. The reporting on this doesn't mention any of that. The report, unless you were actually watching the gavel to gavel and the debate and back and forth, which, by the way, how many hours was that and how many people who were, I mean, all the unions got up and talked, right? It was all the union reps that got up there to try and convince you that they need this for their members to protect their, I mean, it's all about money for the unions, but I mean, it's all for them. You know, who who was going to sit through all that? Not many people, quite honestly. But the newspaper, which is supposed to be kind of like, let me give you the cliff notes of what happened yesterday, doesn't mention it at all. Now, must read Alaska, which most people will probably not read unless they are conservative Republicans. They're probably not going to read must read. But must read does say that uh, uh, Bert Stedman, who was one of the senators around in 2006 when they stopped defined benefits, who pushed to get the pension plan retired and replaced with a defined contribution plan, pointed out that there is an incomplete fiscal note with SB 88. So he was going to be a no vote. 
He said, I'm concerned about the cost neutralists of this bill. I don't think it's cost neutral. The normal cost is higher than some of that calculated over at Ledge Finance. So that's that's what he, he said. I mean, it, but it did not say that it was so bad that he would not even, as co-chair of finance, sign off on the on the deal. And the ADN, ADN doesn't even mention that. ADN doesn't even mention that. It doesn't even mention the fiscal note at all in the ADN article. I mean, it's, you know, the... They did. They did mention the actuarial, uh, and 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 immediately poo-pooed what was going on with the actuarial. Um, Buck Consulting. This is from the Sean McGuire article in the ADN. Buck Consulting, the state's actuary, last year studied the Senate's bill and projected that the new pension plan would cost the state an estimated one point two billion dollars uh, until twenty thirty nine. A second analysis into the Senate's pension plan by Buck is expected to be ready in a few weeks. $1.2 billion a year. So, I mean, you know, no big deal, right? Senate members said the actuary analysis actually projected the cost of the highest possible success of the plan. To cost $1.2 billion, all the current public employees would need to switch over to the pension plan, and the state's recruitment and retention crisis would largely need to have been solved for it to cost that much. Well, yes, that's the plan, isn't it, for all current public employees to switch over to the pension plan? Isn't that what's being whispered and promised in the background? Then they brought uh, some economics professor in from the New School for Social Research in New York, and she said, oh, no, this will only cost this. will No, this won't cost. This will actually save the state $76 million per year by reducing turnover on public employees and teachers, to which she provided no proof. But she said it would because she said it would. Um, this thing is just, I mean, it's... Uh, Parade. I mean, the fact that the Senate is going to pass out a bill that has an incomplete fiscal note and just shines it right along like that, that makes no sense whatsoever. All right, let's go over to the phones, see what you guys have to say. 907, no, no, 319-527-3864. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Harleen in Kodiak. Hello, Carleen. Several topics. All right. Hello. In the Kodiak School District, we have a shortfall of $6 million. And then in the Kodiak Daily Mirror, the city manager um, was talking about changes in the tax structure. We get $17 million a year for our sales tax and um housing taxes or whatever that is, but $15 million a year is not, above that is not collectible because, you know, tax-exempt status, um, the nonprofits and everything. I really feel that the working poor actually pay that $17 million a year, but we need a new boat harbor for $56 million, water, a new fire station. There are other things and so they're going to change our tax structure. 
and I've been tax exempt, but all along I've known that this could change. And right. I've been following the lawsuit of the Canna versus the Kodiak Island boroughs. Right. Canna is a nonprofit, but it, they have a surplus of $9 million a year, and that's above their spendthrift ways. Um, the Canna CEO makes $1.2 million a year. The board of directors make $100,000 a year, and that's $800 a meeting. And the same board of directors are on the Canna board, and the same board of directors on the, are on the Kodiak Island Housing Board. And now the Kodiak Island Housing has 100 empty, these are low-cost housing, 100 empty apartments. So they're renting apartments out for the weekend or for a couple of days. But we have people here that have bed and breakfast, and they pay the city sales tax plus the bed tax. So I don't know what that is, 11, 12, 13% above. So, Carlene, so what are you, I mean, what are you? Hannah has you know, tab operation are, in Anchorage. Are you, saying that, uh, are you saying that they shouldn't have their tax-exempt status because they have money in the bank and they could be making money on some of these projects? Or wh- what's, your, what's your assertion here? Well, when I go to, I use my Medicare and I go to the clinic, Medicare gets charged $670 no matter what, and an extra $70 if they refer me to, I have to go see a doctor to be referred to the, to get new eyeglasses, and it's an extra $70 on top of that. And for years now, that's what the going rate is, Medicaid or Medicare or your private insurance. Um get charged that so they're not really um they're not really non-profit and they built a mall over here with beautiful offices above and they have pull tab operation mm-hmm. and they build uh they get grants to build apartments for their staff in the villages and it just there's just a lot going on, Michael. There's a lot right. going on right now. And I hope that the legislators will look at the other side. Um, I go to the borough meetings. I've gone to a city meeting when GCI contractor cut that water main November 17th or right. so to see who's going to pay for that $1 million repair job. You know, I go to these meetings and I'm the only person there. <laughs> and I can't go. I listen on the radio 100 Right. Point one. So people just aren't um, interested, but it's going to affect your pocketbook big time. Right. Well, it's it is unfortunate, Carlene. I mean, I feel for you. I've I've seen the same thing where one or two people show up, and they're the only ones that show up to the whole meeting when something important is going on. I definitely feel your pain uh, in that regards. And sure, if you've got a corporation that's got nine million dollars in the hole, and they're doing a lot of things that are not kind of non-profity, but are instead are kind of avoiding the profit or not for the profit kind of thing, uh, where there's, I mean, sure, we could have arguments on that. But I think what Rob was talking about yesterday with some of these lawsuits is, uh, especially against nonprofits, is that their property taxes, um, you know, they should, there, there should be some, there should be some um, stability in that for sure. All right, Carlene, I got to go. Thank you so much for your call. Uh, Randy, you got less than 60 seconds. What's on your mind? Randy in Fairbanks? Yep, quickly. Uh, yeah, I did not see 
uh, Governor Dunleavy's State of the State address on Tuesday, <clears throat> but I'd like to see it if I can find a recording. But the Fairbanks Daily News Miner Wednesday had an excellent article about it, kind of covering it blow by blow. And everything he said really sounds good. They divided it into the topics. Uh, north of the future, he talked about, he lamented how, uh, you know, the left-wingers are always trying to stop any kind of development. And he right. said, unless we change this attitude, north to the future will become no to the future. Right. He talked about... Uh, uh, talked about um we went uh, and we went over uh, randy we went over a lot of this yesterday and i apologize but i am 20 i'm 10 seconds from uh, hitting the top of the hour uh appreciate your call folks we got out of time mike shower up next yeah less than 60 seconds for randy was not going to work I mean, I should have known better, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I don't think Mike's going to do this via video because he's a grumpy Gus. Let me, but I'll send him the link anyway. I should have sent him the link earlier, but I didn't, so now I'll do it. We'll see if he, see if he's ready to go. There we go. Otherwise, I'm sure he'll call me and we'll be. It'll be good. Okay. Um, let's go. How many legislators and or their spouses will benefit from a defined benefit plan? Giesel's husband works for DOT and would benefit. Yeah, I mean, I know this is, again, part of the conflict of interest rules. <laughs> right? Um, all communities uh, I'm sorry let me go back down here um, all communities have needs economic growth is required to meet all our needs government spending growth is on the backs of our businesses and investment of wealth our fiscal structures need to change to promote economic activity, says Ben. Gail asked if I was referencing the nonprofits. I was referencing the nonprofits that Carlene was referencing in the phone call. That's what she had been originally talking about. So, yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, that's good. Okay. Um,. I'm going back up here to see what you guys define benefits use the same retirement plan our military personnel have or use the federal civil service retirement plan which has been in place since 1986 the feds realized that defined benefits was unsustainable um i mean yeah i mean we've seen what has happened against uh, you know with defined benefits across the country you know we saw gm and delta they both had to be bailed out at one point by the federal government over their defined benefits programs and that most of our um and you know and most of our uh, uh municipalities and cities and communities have stopped because it's a hot mess um feel like diogenes looking for a journalist with even a modicum of intellectual curiosity I would not disagree with that. <laughs> Tim Tim solved the problem. He said, I went to work for the state. In five years, I'm vested and pulling the plug. 
And he said, 37 and a half hours a week? Yes, please. I mean, if you can't beat them, join them, right? Yeah, I'm not. You know, there you go, Tim. That's the way to do it. If you can't beat them, join them. I mean, Harold's of the same mind, too. He's taking all them taking taking all them uh, 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 government contracts and government jobs. Uh, might as well get it while the getting's good. I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't tell my kids, you know, hey, if you can get a state job, go do it. If you can get a state job and you go, you go do that. That'll fix you right up. You'll be you'll be fine. As long as you stay there and keep your nose clean, you'll be retired for the rest of your life. It's ironic, says Scott, that Stedman empowered the Democrats to control the Senate by throwing Shower and others under the bus, and then they shoved defined benefits down his throat. Yep. That's called unintended consequences, baby. That's what that's called. Unintended consequences. Um... Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I've just I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading. Uh, damn it! I got I got too many things going on here. I'm trying to I'm trying to talk and type and do my whole thing here. Okay, that's uh, I can hear it. Let's go over here. Let's see if we can get uh, every private business in the country is ditched to find benefits. Says Kevin. Your call has been forwarded oh, to an automatic. Oh, for God's sakes! Um. Your call has been forwarded. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting a little frustrated. Um, let me, let me, let me reach out here to see. Uh, I, uh, but answering. Okay, we'll see. Let me see what we do. Okay, uh, every private business that the country is ditched to find benefits, I find it offensive that the unions denigrate their members by saying they cannot possibly be smart enough to invest their own in their own defined contributions plans. Yeah, that's that's you know, that's a problem, right? I mean, that's because that's always the argument. Um, they all these, always the argument is, well, you know, they just, it, they just can't do it as well. I mean, everybody else who has a 401k plan or an IRA or some kind of individual investment retirement plan, we apparently figured it out, but government employees, they apparently are not smart enough to figure it out for themselves because they have to have a defined benefits. It's the only way they can retain them. Right? I mean... All right. Um, yeah, I mean, Kevin, if you want to call in and talk about this, you can. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with Shower. Um, I conferred with him yesterday, and everything's going straight to voicemail. So if you want to call in, you can do it on my cell, or you can uh, whatever you want. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it, my friend. Let's go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is The Michael Dukes Show. And, um... Look at that. Uh, Lo and behold, speak of the devil and he should appear. Mike Shower. I'm hoping. I'm hoping this thing. Is this thing on? Can you hear me now? I'm here. Mike. I'm here. I'm here. How much coffee have you had this morning? Oh, I've, I've had a bunch, man. I've had I haven't had any coffee, but I did have a full monster like right during the beginning of the show. Um, you know, okay. because we had power outages and stuff and everything. And I mean, I don't want to rehash the whole first hour, uh, but I tried to call you uh, and uh, you, you you went straight to voicemail. So I thought you were shining yeah. me on again. So, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> good morning. How are you? How much coffee have you had so far this morning? Not as much caffeine as you, apparently. <laughs> Dude, it's it's fine. It, my heart will not explode. Just that's that's a myth. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, hey, what's what's happening? Hot stuff. What's been going on? What's uh, what's going? What's happening down there in the legislature? With all the, I mean, tell us tell us uh, tell us a story, uh, uh, Uncle Mike, about everything that's happening in the world out there. What's going on and what's what's happening? Well, there's two that I think are the you know, and again, your listeners pay attention, at least some of them do, to what's happening. One um, is Senate Bill 140, or the one that has the BSA increase battle going on and some other things the House is adding to the Senate's bill, which the Senate, like I said, seems to be on a spending spree this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Senate Bill 88, which is the whole defined benefit um, thing. So those are the two... Um, that are kind of taking all the oxygen out of the room at the moment and the press is talking and all that kind of stuff. So that's where, um, I think the focus is right now, uh, on those two. And those are really about money. And Mike, like I said, that's, that's where, you know, if you look at it right now, Senate Bill 88 is, uh, well, let's see, I think the numbers they use was about 1.2 billion for the cost of the bill over, you know, X amount of years, roughly right. 70 million a year or something like that. But that's, you know, that the, the <laughs> here's every pro, every government program, right? I always say double it, you know, for cost and time that they give you the estimate for. So, right. um, arm board members I'm talking to getting some data, you know, trying to understand this, this area, if you will, because it's not something that I have expertise in or have ever really dealt with is that, it will probably run. Everybody kind of acknowledges it's going to cost more, um, and it could cost a lot more than that. 
and we're dealing with a uh, fiscal note on it, uh, waiting for a new one that I have a feeling is probably not going to be quite as optimistic. Right. And like all things, you know, like any statistician, you can take two plus two, you can make it equal five. Right. Um, you can you can have any poll if you ask the questions right. You give you the poll results that you're looking for. So well, I mean, it, even even the first report from the actuarial, which was they quoted, was again the 1.2 billion dollar cost associated with it, and that was using rosy assumptions. That was using that everything was going to be great and they were going to get a seven percent return and they were going to do all these other things. And they're still a few weeks out from this next fiscal note. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin McCabe was in the chat room and he said Bert Stedman wouldn't even sign off on the current. He said the fiscal note's incomplete. He wouldn't even sign off on it uh, as no, as a co-chair of finance. finance co-chair. I mean, that's yeah. that's like, no. yeah. When when that happens and these people are still like, oh yeah, let's vote for it. What this is the Obamacare bill again? We got to vote for it to find out what's in it, how much it's going to cost. We have no idea. What I mean, how fiscally, you know, the fiduciary responsibility is there. How irresponsible is it for you to vote for a bill that you have no idea what it's actually going to cost? Yeah, that's it's going to cost more. Um, look, Mike, this is back to what we talked about before. What what was one of the problems with tier one, two, and three? Right, because we're on tier four now for newer employees since I think two thousand six, uh, roughly. Um, it was a very generous plan. Too generous as it turns out, right? Because we had lots of money back then, so we were spending it. And it became unaffordable because you looked at it and go, we were underfunded. Current numbers, um, I was answering somebody asking me on social media yesterday when I posted some about this. I think it's about a little north of $10 billion were underfunded if you include municipalities, everything of state liability, so PERS, TERS, et cetera, um, about $10 billion. This is going to add another, you know, like I said, all right, 1.2 billion is their estimate, but that is probably a low ball offer. Probably going to be a lot more than that. And the reality, too, Mike, like I said, they were using seven and a quarter percent. I think is the actual number they were using. And I think everybody out there in the real world, <laughs> other than the the state government and federal government world that can do whatever they want, it seems with money, um, is probably five to six percent. Best case, right? So. That's a, that's another compound interest when you get at the end, how much more that could cost us. Look, my, in my opinion, reality is this is more about um, this is more about the control of big unions, um, you know, and, and paying back unions for support kind of thing. Because if you saw the building so last week, unions everywhere, right? All the big union leaders and lobbyists were flooding the building again. Right, it's like teachers right. unions, those were flooding it for the BSA increase. It's all about money and power, right? And paying people back for supporting it during elections. This is my opinion, because you can see the union influence there, right? And I, I have to always clarify this. I'm in a union, not anti-union, but the higher up the union ladder you go, um, the worse it gets, the more political, the bullying, um, that kind of behavior, you just see it, right? So uh, this really, more than anything else, Mike, I think has to do with the amount of massive amount of control um, and power that unions hold in this state. And you look at it, I mean, they're everywhere when it comes to this. Right. And so I, I, I believe when you look at the best way to do this, and this is almost a quote from one of the uh, a long-term onboard member was that if you were putting the amount of money into the defined contribution plan we have in the state now for tier four retirement, 
that, and I think it's around 22%, something like that, that we were putting into the DV plan, that defined contribution plan, Mike, would be one of the best in the country. You know, we'd be turning people away that wanted to work here for that. And I truly believe looking at it now that why would you go backwards and make the same mistakes with a defined benefit program that requires people to be stuck working for the state for all the years that they require before they get vested in it and actually have it right available. Why would you put the liability on the state going backwards in history again that everybody in the world is trying to get away from because it puts huge liability on either the private sector, you know, company, et cetera, that's doing it or the, the government, whichever one it is. Why would you do that when the, all of the data today shows that younger people prefer the defined contribution plan because it's theirs, it's portable. In other words, they can take it with them, whatever it is, their money, right? Cash is king. They can go anywhere they want. They're not stuck in the state. They can go to a thousand other jobs. It's all good. They don't trust that DBs are going to be there because states and other places have defaulted, bankruptcy, et cetera. And so when you look at the benefits of a DC plan, you know, I think it is the way to go. The problem, Mike, and we do have a problem, is that we are not putting enough into it. And as another arm board member told me as well, he's like, you know, here's the thing. He's like, you are actually one of the things that you that we are not acknowledging, dirty little secret, if you will, is that the defined contribution that we have right now, one of the reasons that's not that good or as good as it should be to to really be a um, enticing thing for people to work for the state and stay here is that you're still paying for the old overly generous tier one, two, and three plans that we couldn't afford. And so a lot of the money's going still to pay off the old plan. And now you want to go back to that same type of plan again, when you see members of the Senate stand up, this is going to be cost neutral. What dream world do you live in? This is never going to be cost neutral. That's not going to happen. It's going to get worse over time. And when you add, even if it was just 70 million, but just for math, Mike, let's just say 100 million. This is a, another one of the kickers, right? If you add 100 million for this plan, which I'll just say that's what it is, and I think it's going to be quite a bit more over time, to the 100 to 125 million dollars a year that the state already has cooked into the books, right, for just contract increases, et cetera. And then you add this BSA battle. Now they're starting to talk three to 400 million right. in the battle between the House and the Senate. Mike, you're over half a billion dollars outright spending this year. And every five years, it's another half a billion dollars. So if you look at that, we're within a within five years, we're over a billion dollars of new spending, and that's nothing else, Mike. Nothing else. That's every penny that you get from the permanent fund earnings, which means no PFD, which I've been predicting for some time here, right? Um, that means that what's after that? What have they been telling us, Mike, that we could not afford the PFD? Oh, we can't afford that big PFD because we get we're going to have to tax. So if you take their own logic, what they have been saying on the Senate floor for years, right? what this means is the BSA increase, it means that this defined benefit plan, it means that all the other spending coming around the corner, that we're going to have to tax this, Mike, after we take all the money from the permanent fund dividend that would go to the citizens, it would go to help the middle class and the poor, it goes into the private sector, which desperately needs it in this state. Instead, we're going to spend it all on government. We're going to take all the permanent fund earnings anyways, and we're going to end up taxing. That's the long-range prediction. I think that's where we're headed. It's undeniable based on their own words from the last few years of floor speeches when it comes to the battle over the budget and the PFD. And you see some of them stand up and go, I'm a fiscal conservative. In what world? No, you're not. 
you're suggesting spending more. I love so it. I, I love I, it when Kathy Giesel gets out there. I just want to remind you, I'm a Republican. If you have to remind people, that's a problem, right? I mean, come on, seriously. If you have to show people that, that is a problem. Well, Mike, but this is my point. When if people are going to try to say I'm I'm a fiscal conservative, but you're talking about spending money that we're going to be locked into, which is what they're talking about, right? Long-term liability for this state. In other words, you're shoving this payment off to your kids and your grandkids. And they always talk about the PFD, right? That's why I keep circling back to that. Oh, that PFD is going to cost us a ton of money. Well, is it really now? Because the way we used to do it before we decided to start taking it all the time was that it depended on the performance, right? And it was just a math formula. If the PFD was $500, nobody complained because that's the performance of the fund, right? In the market, no big deal. And if it was a $3,000 PFD, so be it. No big deal, right? That was the, now we arbitrarily take it, which we're on the path to take it all anyways. Um, and so when they say that, it's it's disingenuous, Mike, because the PFD is something that we can go up or down with as required, right? And it's not a fixed cost. It's not a liability to the state because if we had a bad year, you could always just take it down to to nothing based on the performance, right? I mean, that's how it has always worked until the last seven years. Right. So right. most of the arguments are spacious. This is going to cost us. It is repeating the mistakes of the past. It is not what is best for the state. I don't believe it is what is best for state workers. I believe the problems we have can be fixed by making this a very attractive defined contribution plan. Um, and the reality is we're still paying for the past mistakes. Well, and, and let me we're just we're doing it again. Let me remind people what the difference is. The major difference is between the defined contribution and the defined benefits plan. The defined benefits plan, much of that money would go into the union's hands for them to then disperse and, and to hold on to down into the future. Defined contribution, you direct where it goes. And so they don't get a lot of that. I mean, it's part of the problem. And as Donna points out, the DB plan, according to the Reason Foundation, who has a better track record on most of these things than I would say the Alaska legislature, $9 billion, not $1.2 billion, $9 billion um, <clears throat> for the same time frame. That's uh, problematic, to say the least. I mean, we're already, we're still, you know, $6.5 billion behind on the last time. And uh, where are we going to go from here? It's just and remember, Mike, it's more than that. It's yeah. it's really north of ten billion if you include all the actual liabilities to the state with that with those three plans. It's not six and a half. That's that's PERS, TERS, municipalities. It's the whole thing. Remember, we got We got to do apples to apples. So it's all of the costs the state is liable for. Right. It's over ten billion, and that's right from that's right from the Senate Finance Co-Chairs briefing it and and the briefings. You know the data from the state. It's it's north of ten billion. Right. It could be, yeah, okay, one point two billion is what they say. It could be a lot more, maybe nine billion. I don't know. The point is, it's a lot of money, and we're yeah. going to be owed that because it's not. Once you have a defined contribution plan, you know, I don't know if Donna said this too. The reality, Mike, is that's you're done. The state cuts the check. It's done. The person has it it's in the stock market. I've heard people say, well, what the stock market goes, there's your defined contribution plan slips. I got news for you. If the stock market gets that bad. It's going to hurt defined benefit plans. It's going to hurt defined contribution plans, which means the state's on the hook. we got even bigger problems, back to taxes and things we can't afford. Um, so if it, if, you know, if the stock market is that bad, Mike, then everybody suffers from that. That's, a, that's the reality of the retirement systems we have set up and how we're funding them. 
one of the reasons that everybody's getting away from it is because it is so unaffordable long-term. Right. And the amount of liability that the corporation, the state, the, the public sector, or excuse me, private sector, uh, you know, employer has is that's a lot of money they're required to keep in the books. But I'm going to go back to Reason Foundation. Others have also talked about it. It is very clear from the data that you could define benefit or contribution if they both were funded at the appropriate level, et cetera, could be theoretically neutral, right? As far as the benefit to the employee, not the employer, but the employee. But the reality is, Mike, the younger crowd, the younger crowd, they prefer the defined contribution plan. That's what right. we're saying. I see that in my own at FedEx. When right. I, no, when, because they, the they, younger want, pilots. They, they want to move around. They want to change to different positions. They want to change you know, jobs. Nobody's going for the 20 or 30 or 40 year retirement anymore because that's not the that's not generationally what they want to do. So this so what you're being told about the longevity of this defined benefits program is a lie because they're not going to stick around long enough to be vested in it. And yet will be on the hook for it, and it will be constitutionally guaranteed. That's the thing. Once you lock the defined benefits plan in, the Constitution, it's a contract, and it becomes constitutional. You are forced. That's why we're still paying for Tier 1 employees, even though we changed the plan to defined contributions back in the day. I know I'm walking all over you here, uh, Shower, but I gotta. we got to go. We're going to come right back. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Uh, we'll return. Right after this, Common Sense, uh, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Mike Schauer, our guest, back with more after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're, oh man, we were running so late right up to the, right up to the, right up to the edge on that one. Um, um, let's go back over to shower. Sorry about that, man. I just, but I looked up and realized that we were headed up against the hard break there. So, um, but yeah. You're a radio host. You talked. I talk. It is what you do. It is what I do. It is what I do. Um, you, you're, you're giving me a run for my money today, though. Um, but <laughs> I, I will. Uh, but I mean, I agree with you. I mean, look, here's the thing. The, the workforce is fundamentally shifting and they act like this is strictly an Alaska problem. Like Alaska's got a problem. Alaska's got an employee retention problem in the state government and we've got to fix it. But they're not acknowledging that this is a problem across the country. This is not just simply an Alaska problem where we've got to make it attractive for people to come here to do it, uh, you know, or the people who are here to stay. This is a problem across the country. And as the workforce, you know, as the workforce ages and more and more of the millennials are hitting the, you know, their middle years of the workforce, they want that portability. They want to be able to take up and, and pick up their families and just go somewhere else. It's it's statistically it's happening across the country. That is correct. And as I was pointing out before we kind of hit the wall uh, for the clock, I saw this in the industry. I mean, in the private sector, Mike. And like I said, when you talk to all the young guys, most of them, I mean, there's always, you know, people that prefer one over the other or both, right? Depending on the circumstances. Um, they prefer the defined contribution plan. <clears throat> one of the reasons is, is because they've seen bankruptcies, et cetera, in the airline industry, defined benefit plans go away. And I can point that out when I was, I did my short 
lap over at Delta after I retired from the Air Force. Um, they had just gone through bankruptcy. The Delta Northwest had merged. Then they had the big bankruptcy thing there. They lost their A plan, their defined benefit plan. And they took a pretty big pay cut too because, you know, economy was, you know, tanking, et cetera. And they, some of these guys had lost like 60% of their compensation overnight, right? And it was just gone. And so a lot of the, the newer, younger generation looks at that and goes, I don't trust that a company is not going to go to court and declare bankruptcy and pff, I'm, it's gone, right? Now I'm starting over. Right. Will, give me the money. Like when, right. Give me, give the, me money. the money. I'll take care That's of it. Right. I'm not going to trust it to Cash somebody else. Is king. Cash is king. It's theirs. It's portable. It's always there for them. Nothing that the company does doesn't matter because the company's already cut its check. You know, until whatever happens, whether retirement or they decide to go and get employed somewhere else. And that's another little hook you don't talk about, Mike. And you think about the unions and just how, um, you know, what's the right word, scheming they can be on this. You're locking people in to working for the state that could be here for when you look at that bill itself for many, many years required before they're vested at all in the plan. What if that younger person, you know, they, they come up here to be a teacher, you know, whatever it is, you know, name the thing. Right. And after a couple of years, they go, you know, this isn't working. You know, I've been here for four or five years and this, this just isn't right for my family. I'm going to move to sunny Texas or Florida or you get a different career field or something happens in life. You know, parents are getting older and, and they got to move down South. Well, the next thing you know, you just basically really put somebody into a square corner. The fine contribution yeah. plan, they go, okay, take it with me and yeah. start over, you know, roll it into another one, but not with the five minutes. Well, and that's what, and how long you're here. That's what Brian just said. He said, what, like golden handcuffs? Exactly. You're locking them in because now they've, 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 they've they got the sunk cost, right? They've spent all this time. And if they don't get to the payoff, they will not get anything. Whereas if it's a defined contribution for those five years that they've been there, they've been putting that money away and they can take it with them. I mean, that's the flexibility you need. And and <clears throat> the problem with defined benefits is that nobody can predict the future. Nobody can predict it. But you're saying, we're going to give you this benefit no matter how much it costs 20 years down the road. And that's how we got into trouble the first time around. Yeah, because like I said, it goes back to Mike. Once the state, you know, once the entity that is has the retirement plan cuts the check every month, you know, for X amount, then it's done. It's done and you can move on. Everybody moves on. The state's not liable down the road and the employee gets to take it with them. I know we got to stop there for the break. Yeah, we're going to jump back into this here. But that I mean, that's exactly it. You look at Delta, you look at GM. Many of these companies had to be bailed out by the federal government. Their defined benefits plans. I mean, they had to pull the plug on them because they just they were destroying them. And that's we'll meet the yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that on the radio. Let's too. That's, let's that's applicable. let's hit it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Okay, we're back. Mike Shower is our guest. Man, you, the, the in-between the in between show was good behind the scenes. I guess we're going to have to repeat some of that because Mike is making some valid points. Um, 
And uh, <laughs> one of them is, you know, he was part of that whole thing with Delta when they had their defined benefits program. And the whole thing went explosive uh, because, you know, they're stuck. And that's the other thing that nobody's talking about is a defined benefits plan will act like a pair of golden handcuffs to people who come here and then decide that they want to leave. They can't leave. They can't leave the position because they've sunk they've sunk time into it, but they're not vested and they can't take it with them. And that's a problem as well. Would that be attractive to somebody if they look at it and go, well, I have to be there at least 10 years or whatever the vestment period is. And I don't know if that's, if I want to, if I want to commit to that. I mean, that's a problem. And then like I said, dirty little secret, Mike's like, so you get up here and all of a sudden your wife, you know, says, I can't take this place. We need to move back to sunny Florida or Texas or somewhere else, or your parents get sick and you got to get down South to get to help them. Or, you know, one of your children has certain uh, special medical needs. I've seen that in the military. Um, and they had to be moved to different bases where the specialists were nearby. Mike, there's a hundred reasons, thousand reasons you can come up with why it may be viable for somebody that goes, I, you know what, this isn't working out. I need to go somewhere else. And all of a sudden they go, I can't because they just, you just shanghaied them, golden handcuffs. They're stuck here. That is not a better thing for the employee. They don't talk about that do they they it's almost like the little secret they want to trap you working here and of course the unions love that why because the more people they have you know in their union roles here the more money they get mike the more power they have like always follow the money right why do you think the unions want that i think it's really better for people the reality is it's not and, and like i was bringing up you know as we ran into the break um i saw this at delta and when I got hired to Delta right when I retired from the Air Force in 2010, a couple of years before, that's when Northwest and Delta merged and they had the big, nice, defined benefit plan, all that. Well, they went bankrupt. They lost all that. Some of the guys were telling me they were somewhere in the, in the 60% range of compensation lost overnight. Imagine losing almost two thirds of all your compensation overnight. Pretty big hit, right? And so when you look at the younger crowd, all the guys I talk to, almost all of them, right? There's always outliers and stuff, is that they prefer the defined contribution plan because they've seen this industry and the airline side I'm talking about, um, you know, bankruptcies and other things, and they've lost those. FedEx is struggling with that now, that same decision, you know, for defined benefit and defined contribution. And the other little thing that you were mentioning, right, as we were ending there on the break, is that the federal government has had to bail out some of these entities with these defined benefit plans. And another thing they're not telling you, I didn't talk about that in the floor debate yesterday, is that a number of states have had to be bailed out on their defined benefit plans. California sounds like the federal government with its debt and deficit. They are, I don't know, I want to say they're a trillion dollars um, over of all their um, liabilities because of all their very generous, you know, state and municipal retirement plans. Right. And Mike, these are the debt we are shoving onto our children and our grandchildren. And there is a better path. And the better path is the, you know, and like I said, Reason Foundation and others, data shows it. They could be neutral. The better path is to make the defined contribution plan enticing for new employees put the amount of money required into it so that it actually is an attractive plan and a valuable plan make up for, you know, the, um, you know, the fact that we're not putting enough into it right now to make it attractive. And that is a true statement, right? I mean, it could be better, but you do it with a defined contribution. You don't go back backwards in time and make the mistake of going to a defined benefit plan that puts everybody on the hook, locks people into these jobs, can't leave the state, liability for the state down the road, something the younger generation really doesn't want. Why would you do that, Mike, when the better answer is really pretty simple? 
you increase the the attractiveness of the defined contribution plan and it's better all the way around like i said our board member these are the people that are responsible for managing the retirement systems of alaska said very clearly if you put that cell i'll repeat what i said in the first segment if you put as much money into defined contribution as we were defined benefits for all those great plans we had in the past, it would be one of the best, if not the best, in the nation. Right. That's a quote, Mike, from talking to him. So if the very people that are responsible for managing this plan go, there's probably a better path that makes sense, and it takes liability off the future generations for us. Right. Well, why take, would we not do that? It takes the guesswork out. I mean, that's the problem with defined benefits. Things go up and down. You don't know. There could be some kind of major breakthrough. There could be some kind of crisis in healthcare. There could be so you just don't know. In a defined benefits, even if you increased the defined ben- or the defined contributions, I mean, even if you increase the defined contributions and so it costs a little more, you know what those costs are going to be forever because they're going to be set they're not amorphous they're not they're not controlled by market uh, effects or you know what's going on in society or culturally or anything else they are there uh, you, you know exactly what the percentile is you're going to pay based on the number of employees it's a locked in number why would you go for the if come versus the sure thing and that's what nobody wants to talk about no Follow the money, Mike. Follow the money. When you look at who spoke on the floor and you look at, you know, who supports them um, and, you know, maybe what their jobs were, you can see clearly that, you know, big union leadership. And that's always been my problem, Mike, not unions. I'm in a private sector union. Your average union person is just trying to make it happen, you know, make it make ends meet, do the best for themselves and their families. It's the the top, right? Like all things um, as political as many issues with them as there are with any politician group or anything else is it's really look at who was voting yes look at who was speaking to it and you can kind of see based on their comments and and where their money came from follow the packs look at which unions gave them money right i mean mike you can see it so um, and especially when we're discussing public sector union, right? Um, people that might have been presidents of public sector unions of the support they got, right? I mean, you could go down that path when I look at my Facebook comments. So um, you can see this. And and so it is truly um, follow the money and who is involved in this and what they want to do and where this is coming from. This is not the best path, Mike. This is the best path for a few people and a few entities that desperately want to do this. And it is not the best path, in my opinion, and the opinion of a lot of people that, you know, are responsible for managing this system and that raw data from historical learning, right, and the future and the current younger generation, this isn't the best path. It isn't. So, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that the House will have listened to this and watched and the House will go, you know, no, we're not going to do this. Um, I don't know where the governor stands. We have two backstops, right? One, the House can go, nope, we're not going to play this game. We're, we, we're going to do it better. Um, and or, you know, if somehow it gets through that, the governor goes, this is not the best path forward for the state and the, and the people of Alaska. Uh, and we take a different path. So and here's the reality, too. Right? Like every year, right? Mike, we're going to be facing this. They're going to keep trying. Um, you know, so this isn't, this battle isn't over. We right. beat this one, you right. know, then you're still going to be the next year and the next year. They're, they're never going to stop, Mike. 
give me the money, right? They just what, want the money. Well, what so, bothers me the most about this is the fact that they are voting on something for which there is no <clears throat> that there's no fiscal. I mean, let's assume that the defined benefits is the greatest thing since sliced white bread, but we do not have a full fiscal note on it. We don't have the full ramifications. We don't have, and they say it's coming. Here it is. It's it's coming. But even but they're voting on something that they do not have a full fiscal picture on. That's I mean that to again, the fiduciary responsibility. I mean, you can for me, I can love or hate Bert Stedman, but I got to respect it when even he says, "Wait a second, we got to have a full fiscal note before we plan on what's going on here." I mean, that is that is crazy to vote on something when you have no earthly idea what it's actually going to cost. How can you how can you say that that's responsible? Well, it's not responsible, and I think Stedman made that point, and I believe Stedman was actually. Um, a part of um, helping to move us to defined contributions away from defined benefit plans years ago, because you know that's this is up his lane, of looking at that kind of uh, accountability on the fiscal side, and you know made the point, and I I certainly respect that and understand it. Why would he sign a fiscal note when or you know sign off on it when he doesn't even have the newer one that's coming out that may not be as optimistic as the one they currently have? I wouldn't put my name to that either. I don't blame him for a second. Um, you know, you want to see what the numbers are, you know, show me the money, so to speak, until, you know, you see that. Why would you put your name on something? Because it could be a lot worse. Maybe it's double. Maybe it's, you know, any number of things. Maybe they're using better assumptions, like the actual market is using, as opposed to a rosy seven and a quarter percent. And think about that compound, compound interest down the road, Mike. That's probably not good. But like I said, you can get people to give you whatever you want for assumptions to make something work, especially in the world of politics and government, right? Say, hey, I want this to make it look like it's going to be really cheap and it's going to be great for us. So here, do this, this, and this. And, you know, they're not stupid. These people can figure out, you know, from these companies, oh, this is the answer they want. Let's give them that answer, right? Because they, they're making a lot of money right, right. to do this, to do these studies and, and, and produce this data. So that's always something that's possible, Mike, when they say, hey, you know, make sure this looks the way we want to look. I mean, come on. Nobody's that naive to think that's not how this would be played out. So who knows what this one's going to be? But yeah, like with Stedman, why would he put his name to that until he knows um, what it's going to be? So no. No. Uh, any of us, right? Because right? all things like why do we want to do this? You know, you got to vote for it so you can figure out what's in it. You know, the old Nancy Pelosi. I mean, and it's not a small bill. Mike's 50 pages, 49 pages. It's a big bill. Um, my election integrity that got so much, you know, heat from leftists and Democrats and some some Republicans was a lot smaller than that. <laughs> so, uh, and it didn't cost a fraction of this, and it was mostly one-time cost. So right, really, right. you know, we 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 can't pay twelve million dollars to make sure we have election integrity, but we can pay billions of dollars for a plan that is not the best path forward. Seriously, an, an unknown, and go, yeah, an unknown amount of billions. Like we know it's going to be a billion, but we don't know how many beyond that. I mean, that makes sense. Um, all right. Uh, like I said, Mike, it's still, they're going to tax us. This is going to run us into taxes. They've been saying we can't afford this kind of spending for years. Oh, that PFD is going to bankrupt the state. It's terrible. It's, like I said, tax, tax, tax. That's what it's going to be. But now we're looking at billions of dollars and everybody's like, what? No, what's the problem? I don't see a problem with this. Um, you know, can't pay it to the private sector and the citizens of Alaska. But boy, we can we can pay for a few thousand. You know, I think our total workforce is. You know, 360,000 or something. We were just looking at the other day, DOL statistics. And, you know, you're about 21,000 state employees. So all of this money, Mike, all of this focus goes in about 21,000 plus the tens of thousands of retirees 
Um, but what about that private sector that's anemic, barely getting by? What are we doing for the? Oh, nothing. Right. right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and really? will it and will it end there? Because again, some of the speculation is is that then communities who were previously on the defined benefits plan, we're talking about municipalities and cities and boroughs and things like that, they too could join in. And now we're talking about maybe forty thousand people. I mean, there you, the boroughs. Shh. I know. Don't say that, Mike. I know. What are you talking about? I'm not supposed to. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not supposed to. Nothing to see here. These are not the drones you're looking for. Move (laughs) along. Move along. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Mike Showers, our guest. We continue here in just a minute. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. All right, Mike Shower is our guest. Uh, James just said something in the chat room too that makes total sense. He says, because someone, um, whoa. The whole thing got slow because someone owns their defined contribution assets. They can bequeath it to their heirs when they pass away for multi-generational wealth. I mean, that's another point. I mean, the defined benefits, I think you do the, the like spousal, like death, upon the death of the recipient, the spouse does get some benefits for a period of time. But if that's it, then it doesn't go any further than that. If you have the benefits, you can pass those down like an asset to anybody. I mean, Again, why would – other than the fact that it's pie in the sky and it's locked in and the unions are definitely all about it. I mean, just go back and look at the testimony. Hours of testimony, all from union officials, about how great this is going to be. Um, it's it's crazy. It's about uh, their power base, Mike. It's about the money they want. Of course they are yeah. supporting this. Uh, Susan in the chat room uh, has made several comments, and I'm, I'm trying to – some of them I don't understand – but uh, one of them, uh, she says, uh, she says, ah, it's the policies causing the losses in the workforce. People want good doctors and educated children, not the citizens. I don't know exactly what you're saying there, but it's not just the it's not policies that are causing the loss. This loss in workforce is nationwide. This is systemic. It's not a specific policy in a specific state that's causing the problem, because you can look at other states that have different plans and they're they're having some of the same issues. This is a deeper issue. She also said, I get tired of hearing about what is normal. There's nothing normal about this. The problem is, is that you've got to look at track records. You've got to look at when you say you're tired of hearing about what is normal. And I'm not sure exactly what you were referencing there. But look, we have to look at the track record. What you know, because past performance is indicative of future results. We know what happened with the defined benefits program in Alaska in the past. We know what happened with the defined benefits program at GM, at Delta, at many states and municipalities that have had it and the unfunded liabilities that they're now saddled with. We understand that. Then she goes on to say, is this out of concern of his own constituents or his own benefit? Now, that's kind of we know better. Mike Shower is doing this for his own constituents. His retirement's taken care of. He doesn't care about that. This is about the state and the constituency. And somebody what benefit would I get from this? Yeah, I mean exactly. Um, and Terry got up and defended you on it, and she said thank you for the clarification. So I don't know exactly what Susan, you know, it, it, you know, what dog she has in this fight. If she's part of the state employee base asking these questions, but wouldn't you rather have? 
control over your own retirement and destiny rather than leaving it up to the state with a track record they have right now? I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't I would much rather have it in my hands. When I see people asking these questions, I mean, the union control and influence in the state runs deep, right? So you've got union attack dogs all over the place, on the radio, on social media, in the legislature. Um, I'm not surprised because they have so much power and influence and so much money to spend from their members, they can afford to do this. Believe me, lots of union people taking those airplane flights and rental cars and staying in hotels in Juneau over the last, you know, X amount of time, you know, stumping for this. So they got tons of money to spend, my friend. If you think for one second you're going to not see people on the attack directed, when I have heard rumors of armed board members being asked, hey, you you talking to shower? What do you say? Really? Interesting. Huh? Isn't it? Well, isn't that like influence, like negative influence on public officials? If all of a sudden somebody is asking uh, somebody on a board, let's say, for example, that why are they talking to that guy? Because what does that imply? That implies you better shut up. You better not talk to them. Mike, we're starting to get into grounds where we're back to that kind of uh, political influence peddling again um, when people are doing that kind of stuff. Because what does that do? That's a cooling off, right? Oh, well, I better not talk to him. I better not say, oh, that's, you know, think of these kinds of things, Mike. That's where we're back to. I've said it before back in the 2019 phase. I was being threatened by people that were sending notes that we're going to come to your house to teach you a lesson. You better back off. You better shut up. I mean, that's the kind of garbage we're seeing, Mike. These people are desperate for this money and power. So when you hear people, you know, that are making comments and stuff, you know, on your, on your, why don't you ask them the question and say, well, who do you work for? What's your, what's your benefit? Are you a state employee? Were you a state employee? Do you have a defined benefit plan? Because these are valid questions that people, of course, that they are, they won't answer most likely, right? There are some that are honest and will tell you, but many of them won't say anything because they don't want to come out that, you know, well, they do actually have a personal interest. What possible personal interest can I have in this, Mike? I try to turn down my retirement from the state. I don't want it, right? I was, I, I have my retirement from the military and, you know, whatever I get from my current uh, private sector employer. And then that's what I've got. That's it. Right. So I don't want what the state has. It's, it's not where my um, eggs are in that basket, if you will. Right. right. So right. it's like, what? <laughs> Already losing money in this job. <laughs> and, and, and Susan, <laughs> it it. and Susan, no, he's not threatening you. He's answering your question. Your question was, you know, is this for him or is this for the constituency? He has no dog in that fight, so to speak, other than the outcome of the state. He's he's not threatening you. That was not a threat. He was talking about him being right. threatened. So I don't know. Uh, you know, some people well, they, okay. they, they're they're, they're, they're hearing yeah, what they want to hear, and I'm just I just wanted to know what Susan was trying to say. That's all I wanted to know. But no, he's not. <laughs> No. Uh, whatever. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. What? No, I'm an angel, an absolute angel. Nobody hates me. Everybody loves me. Come on. That's <laughs> right. I mean, right. Am I? Everybody hold their hands up if they love me. Uh, okay, uh, State Senator Mike Showers, our guest. We're down to the last segment here, Mike. Um, 
I don't know if we've beaten this defined benefits question to death or not. We still got to talk. We could still talk about education. We could talk about what else you're working on here as you go through the session. Again, kind of be in the Kai. I, I picture you that kid with your nose on the glass looking in at the the toy store during Christmas. You know, uh, is how I kind of picture you. But what uh, you know, what so what else do we need to talk about here in this final segment? What's the what's the deal? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll make one last point, Mike. Um, you know, I don't know whoever's making these comments that thinks, you know, people are being threatened. I've been threatened um, by what I would call union thugs. Um, and I, you know, frankly, Mike, you know, my issues with the union, I think unions, I should say, continue to grow because I watch their influence and how they act. And when things like this happen, what do they do, man? They go on the attack. Right I mean, now, this is start, speaking. This is speaking as a union member, right? I just want to. You're, you're you're a member I of a private union, a, right? Right. So I am in a private sector union, Mike, and I will tell you when you say, "Well, unions, you know, they're just there for the people." No, they're not. I'm sorry. There are some decent people working in unions. There are also some really questionable people that I've dealt with. I've had one of the big union leaders down in Anchorage when I went down there. Several of them were there actually from the big unions. You recognize names? Poke me physically. Poke me in the chest. Like with threats, right? Like if you don't, you know, like I'm like, you know, getting into the plan, like you better stop touching me, Bubba. Um, you know, like that kind of stuff, Mike. I mean, this is the way they act and talk. And so when people say, well, unions are neutral. No, they're not. When my own union, which has a lot more generally conservative members in it, you know, an airline pilot union, a lot of military guys, um, will not give me an endorsement. Because why? I had an R in front of my name. If I had a D in front of my name, I would they, they'd endorse me all day long. You're going to tell me unions are not um, leaning in one direction? Political, political entities? Lean. You're telling me that they're Politi- not political? They, they are. Yes, Mike. They lean for sure. I could not get an endorsement. I didn't ask for money, nothing. All I asked for was could I get an endorsement? The answer was a resounding no from the leaders of the union because I had an R in front of my name. Don't tell me for a second how unions lean and where their interests are. They overwhelmingly support people on the left, Democrats, far left, liberals, progressives, et cetera. That's where their policies are. That's where the people that trickle to the top of unions go. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've dealt with this. So don't try to tell me where unions stand. I know all too well. And I deal with them down there all the time and see where they are. Always about money and power, Mike. Always. Any entity you're talking right. about. So just, right. just stop. I'm not going to listen to the diatribe i'm 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 just done with that and unions you know are becoming you know i'm becoming having these issues with unions that's their own fault it's because of how they act what they say and do um and that's my own interactions with them on to the other part for bsa like i said that was you know we started the program of course we spent it almost all on on the defined benefits but there's a better path i think we should take it enough said there the amount of money mike right now we're talking about for bsa increases and this is interesting could dwarf what we're discussing for defined benefit plans on a yearly basis right now. I think one different estimate is somewhere between, I think they're looking at like a 681, they're, they're bounced around the house. And then of course, Senate's going to come back. And I think numbers thrown there like 1400 something roughly, Mike, that's the better part of a half a billion dollars, right? The, the one that uh, the one Democrat Senator put in was about 257 million. So a quarter of a billion. Now you're talking upwards of a half a billion. Um, I mean, Mike, these are numbers that, Again, I go back to they've been staying. These people have been staying on the floor. We can't afford the PFD, even though it helps the poor, even though it helps the middle class as a large percentage, even though it goes to the private sector to help out the private sector in the state. We can't afford that. It's too much. It's going to cost taxes. But let me tell you, boy, we're talking about what's going to be billion plus of spending over the next half, you know, five years or so or more. 
depending on what numbers they actually end up with, of sunk costs that we're stuck with forever. And they don't bat an eye. They don't blink. Nobody's saying a single thing about this. This is important for those, you know, 20,000 state workers. You know, so what, what 360,000, you know, private sector workers? Who, what, what, what where, where'd who go? <laughs> back to Top Gun, right? Right, um, right. And he looks back and he's, where'd the men go? Where'd who go? So, Mike, I, I am just, <laughs> I'm almost speechless again. Clearly I'm not. That's a joke. I'm almost speechless that, they're not even batting an eye about spending this kind of money, but boy, every time we even mention the PFD or talk about it, we we can't afford that, I just I keep going back to that because that's the point that's stuck in my head about watching them say how unaffordable it is for the state, a cost that is not sunk, a cost that is not a liability to the future, a cost that's just a yearly um, check from the state that goes up and down based on performance of the fund and what's available, and we can't afford that. That's dangerous. That's going to hurt the state. That's going to run us the ship into the ground. But the spending they're talking about is worse than that long term. Something we're stuck with forever. And they're just moving full steam ahead. Mike, we're on the Titanic. We're we're the 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 band is playing. Here comes the, the is full speed ahead, man. Don't even bother changing the direction of the ship. I just it's amazing to me to watch these same people that stand up on the floor and mark my words. Here in the next two months from now, two and a half months, we're going to be up there putting in a full PFD, right? Full statutory PFD. Watch the same people that talked yesterday on the Senate floor are going to be up there telling you how we can't afford this. This was too much for the state. This is going to cause taxes. Mark my words. They're going to be saying the same but exact opposite things about something that is not a long-term expense for the state that can be changed. And is very helpful for the private sector and our <laughs> citizens, not just a small chunk of them. Mark my words, brother. They're going to be saying the exact same stuff in reverse. Yeah, well, remember, <clears throat> remember, it'll be free rides die hard. And you Alaskans, you really need to start paying your fair share. You really need to start paying your own way now. You've had a free ride for too long, and now we need to – I mean, I can see this is going to be the discussion in <clears throat> 24, 36 months. I mean, I, I know that that's what's going to be coming. I, I know that's what's coming. Like I told you, the PFD is is a it's a it's going to go the way of the dinosaurs. The people in charge and the power and the union influence and the the influence they wield over people getting elected and reelected, the the PFD is is on its way to extinction. I wish I knew how to stop it. I wish we had the votes and people to enact something that actually does make common sense and is fiscally conservative, like a fiscal plan that's comprehensive, that caps spending, that wouldn't allow this to happen right now. Those people that have been fighting us on a spending cap and other things, wouldn't it be something, Mike, if we had a comprehensive fiscal policy? We wouldn't be able to do what we're doing right now because we would be bouncing over the cap. We wouldn't have a choice. The PFD would be locked away. We'd have a spending cap that would keep this in check moving forward that stuck us around CPI so we couldn't overspend like this and put this you know, on the future generations, our kids and grandkids. But unfortunately, we can't seem to enact a comprehensive fiscal policy. So I'm going to go back to that point. You're going to watch the people that are speaking so eloquently and lovely about a defined benefit plan that's going to shackle us for forever. But watch them reverse that speech when it comes to the PFD here in a couple months on the Senate floor. Mark my words. We can't seem to enact a comprehensive fiscal policy that we desperately need to make this to balance the equation, if you will, and make it work. So I, I, I wish oh, come I on. had the Senate president said they had a fiscal plan. He said their fiscal plan was a twenty five seventy five plan. That's their long term. Fi- he said that in a, in a in the press conference. That's their fiscal plan. Well, I didn't see that. So, I mean, OK, whatever, that was last year. That my, was last year. That was because they were like, well, where's the fi-? well, that is our fiscal plan. OK, well, what happens well, when you could cons- talking about 
Yeah. What happens? Money. What happens when you consume it all? What happens then? Well, that's the point, Mike. If that's what they're trying to say about the PFD. Oh, it's too much money. It's going to cost taxes. No, what you're spending now is locking us in forever, and it's going to cost yeah, taxes it, anyways to a private sector that it, is anemic and is not going to be able to afford it. This comes down to the question of do we have a revenue problem or do we have a spending problem? I've been saying this for 25 years. We have a spending problem. We've never really had a revenue problem. They keep saying it's a, it's a revenue problem, but it was a spending problem. Now, with all the spending, they have created the revenue problem. So now they've made it, they brought it into being, and now we have both a revenue and a spending problem. Less than uh, about 90 seconds here, Mike. Give us your final thoughts. Well, the final thoughts, Mike, we've said it before. We just, it's so amazing that we we say the same things on the show and other places all the time because we're not learning from the past. We continue to do this. We don't have the tax base and the private sector strength in this state to do what we're doing long term. We're not Texas with 35 million people or Florida that's booming with 28 million people or California even with 40 million. We're with a massive economy where they can, you've got taxes that you can at least draw upon, right? We don't have that here. We have an anemic private sector that depends on resource development that is struggling in a hostile federal government to resource development, which is just going to strangle us long term. And we're watching people leave the state. And so why are we doing this? Right. We don't have the ability to do this long term. It's not a viable plan, Mike. Yeah. Well, so we've it's... got to do better than this. I would agree. We've got to do better than this. But uh, unfortunately, this is where we're stuck. Mike Shower. Thank you, my friend. As always, it's good to hear from you. You can hold the line for a second. I'll give you a final bite. Uh, we are out of time. Tomorrow, folks, is Firearms Friday. We will see you then. Willy Waffle and Gun Talk. It's all tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Mike, <clears throat> I'll give you the real final bite at the apple here um, <laughs> and uh, give you a chance to, to sound off on this. I mean, Again, uh, James, you're not wrong. James says the defined benefit plans is a fiscal black hole. And it, it's you're right, because you have no idea what it's going to cost you in the long run. And that's the problem. With a defined contribution, you know. And yes, I agree. If we need to up the defined contribution rate to make it more attractive, to make it the best in the country, if we funded it to what they're suggesting we fund some of this other stuff to, okay, that makes sense. But again, it's portable. It gives them the opportunity to do what they need to do. And most importantly, it's predictable. We know what it's going to cost. We don't have to worry about actuarials being right or wrong. We don't have to worry about mistakes. We don't have to worry about cultural or financial or you know some kind of technological shift that makes things cost more that that's how we got killed in the first one was the defined benefits uh with the medical stuff and the medical stuff outpaced everything the actuarials were saying i mean it, it, it you cannot have that kind of uncertainty i'm sorry i will let you go go ahead your 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 take here i think you ate most of the apple there for the end of this i'm just saying so that's a pretty good diatribe. I don't. I don't. What, what can I add to that? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't know. It's frustrating to watch this happen. It's frustrating to watch the fact that they are going to just willy nilly vote for a bill without understanding what it's going to cost. Assuming, I mean, the comment from uh, in the paper that quoted Jesse Bjorkman said something along the lines of, uh, "What did he say? He said he believes." that it's going to be cost neutral. Well, I can believe that pigs can fly. That doesn't mean that it's actually going to work. I mean, without an actual number and statistics and, a, you know, and what happens when you get the, the dueling plant with the dueling reports? You know, the actuarial says 1.2 billion and the Reason Foundation says 9 billion. 
Okay, so which one's right? They're both super expensive, but what happens if it's just somewhere in the middle? What if it's only four and a half billion? I mean, you know, what? How how is that even sustainable? How can you believe it's cost neutral when the one you're looking at right there says it's the better part of a hundred million dollars a year minimum, and people are acknowledging that it's going to it likely and probably will cost a lot more than that. How can you possibly say that is cost neutral? How can you say that when you look back in history and you look in the history it goes it's not cost neutral? We're still paying for it. We're still underfunded. It, we're still liable for this for the overly generous one we couldn't afford. You want to go back to this? How can you possibly say it's cost neutral? The data shows it's not cost neutral. And wait until you get to the compound interest at the end. And what's the market doing by then? And how come your assumption is seven and a quarter percent when nobody else is doing that? How can you possibly right. say it's cost neutral? Because the reality is it's not. It's it's not, Mike. This is a lesson that everybody is learning, but Alaska who seems to always want to buck the trends. Oh, binding caucus? Well, nobody else does that. Well, we do it up here, you know. Oh, we're going to follow the market trends? Nope, nope. Everybody else? Well, we're not going to do that up here. Everybody's getting ready to find benefit plans because liability down the road, et cetera, et cetera. All the things we mentioned for the last hour. Oh, but Alaska, we're going to do that up here. It just, yeah. we just set our own trends, Mike, and unfortunately, they're not good ones. Right. So, well, and just, I, I don't even know what else to And say just so it. nobody accuses me of putting words in his mouth, here's what it says. De- Senator Jesse Bjorkman of North Kenai, who serves as the union rep for a school district, spoke at length about the benefits of defined benefits, of, of the defined, of the benefit, benefit program, and said it was, quote, likely cost neutral, unquote, and that the matter had been, quote, vetted over a decade ago, unquote. So... First of all, likely cost neutral means that there's it's not a non-zero chance that it's going to be cost neutral. And secondly, that it's vetted over a decade ago. What do you mean vetted? What do you, what do you mean? Like this is the science is settled? This is it? Folks, if you want to look at the, the track record of defined benefits across the country, you could see that it is a losing proposition. There are very few defined benefit programs left in the country because they are unsustainable, because they are not predictable. And this is part of the problem. Likely cost neutral okay likely but, but listen to the words mike likely that's the, everybody that you know, when you listen to it you can be very careful with the words you use you can't be pinned down that if it turns out the bankruptcy is 10 years from now then somebody can say well you know i never said it was i said i, I thought it might be or it was likely it's not that it will or it won't it's not they're they're not using hard language if you will they're using soft language and the soft language gives you that wiggle room right somebody asked right, you're going to join the binding caucus well i gotta wait and see what it looks like and that that's a soft answer right because you can pedal that answer you can spin it either way you want and unfortunately that you know i go back to all the things you said there are back to union influence mike this is right, about union right. influence and it is not hard um language and that hard language says you know what History says this is going to cost us. Yeah. History shows, as does the system, it's going to be burdened our children and our grandchildren. History shows us it was overly generous for four compound interest, higher rates than what everybody else in the market out there is using. That's going to come back and be a problem. That's hard language that you're putting out facts and figures and, and historical data. Soft language is looked for going, you know, I don't think it's probably going to be cost neutral. It's probably going to be fine. Probably, well, maybe. That's soft language that doesn't that doesn't like, really yeah. deal with planting the flag. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, All right. Well, Mike, yeah. I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for coming on board. I got to go, uh, folks. Uh, right. I know. Talk uh, to you next week. All right. We'll see you later. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense Radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.